Well, good morning. If you have your Bible, you can turn to a couple of places. We'll be in Matthew uh, for part of the time today, Matthew chapter 21, uh, looking at the triumphal entry. Um, but we'll also be in Genesis chapter 22 today. So you can kind of get your fingers ready in both of those places. Uh, I want to let you know today um, kind of begins our, our Holy Week. It's this week where we get to look at the most detailed week uh, of Jesus Christ's life in, in Scripture. Uh, we, I joke a lot that Mark, um, the book of Mark, if you just want to read someone who's excited about Holy Week, read the book of Mark because he like flies through everything to get here as quick as he can. And so in that, we're going to spend some time this week just preparing our hearts to anticipate and to remember what happened and what was accomplished on that Resurrection Sunday on that early Easter morning. And so a few things I want to let you know of. First of all, um, we're going to be sending out text messages daily starting tomorrow with a Bible verse for you to read, just for you to be able to walk through um, what Jesus was walking through as he prepared and walked through this week towards the cross. And so if you are not normally getting those messages from us, you can fill something out and drop it in an offering box or fill it in online and do that and you'll be all right. Um, but I want to let you know something special. On Thursday night, the night that Jesus gathered his disciples in the upper room and took what we now know as the Lord's Supper, what, what we're going to do is in this room from 5 until 8, we're going to invite you and your family, or, or if your whole family is not able to be together, that's all right. We're going to invite you to take the Lord's Supper in here. And we have set up and will set up a, a way for you to prayer walk through the sanctuary as you get ready to take the Lord's Supper individually or as a family. And so that'll be going on from 5 to 8. We would love for you guys to be here as we prepare to celebrate next Sunday morning. I was watching the video of the kids earlier, and it struck me. Only about eight of us saw what you saw last year. Last year, about eight of us were in this room watching the video on Palm Sunday while everyone else was at home. And just one of those moments of... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are opening things back up, that you're allowing us to be back together. And so uh, just, just excited to experience this week with you in a way that is new again as we walk into that. Um, today, what we're looking at something is, is something that may have become tradition. Maybe, maybe Palm Sunday with kids with palm branches. Maybe you have family traditions and things like that that have lost a little bit of the meaning or they've taken on new meaning just to stay alive. I, I want to let you know, we're going we're gonna to unpack that and, and we're going to really invest and, and dig into God's word as we look into the life of Abraham and Isaac. You see, because when we look at this week, it's really about a, a, a father-son relationship. It's about promises being kept. And, and there's something about looking at Scripture through the reality of the relationship between the father and the son that we can miss sometimes. There are times that I can read God's Word, and it's amazing, and I just read it through my lens, through my personal, what it means to me. And don't get me wrong, you need to read Scripture for what it means to you, but that doesn't need to be the first step. The first step needs to be, what was the one who was writing it meaning to get across? Who is doing that? And so as we look at this father-son relationship, I want to remind you that there's some uniqueness. Uh, we have a daughter and a son, and so get to experience the father-daughter relationship. I love it, wouldn't trade it for the world. But there's something different about a father-son relationship. 
See, when Connor was, was in sports and, and, and growing up, soccer became my favorite. We tried baseball, didn't work out too well for me. I got upset with the Christian coaches on the other side of the field and things like that. But, but when it got down to soccer, it was amazing because I have a little knowledge of soccer, could get out on the field and run with them. Then there came the day where you weren't allowed to be on the field if you were a parent anymore. I wasn't sure how that day was going to work out but let me tell you something you can run the sidelines just like you ran in the middle of the field and so connor when he's in junior high i'm i'm excited i'm yelling and and it's hilarious my daughter is is uh bilingual and so she knows what people are saying when i don't know they're saying this and and i'm running the fields cheering connor on i'm yelling at him and she said dad all these ladies speaking spanish and smiling at you they're totally laughing they're totally making fun you are you're the white gringo who's crazy you're just lost it she's she's telling me how they're making fun of me because of the way i'm interacting and she said one of them said do you think he believes his son can really hear him on the other side of the field and the answer is you're darn right i do because my son knows my voice and it's different than your voice and so, so it was hilarious. Just so you know, that didn't embarrass me a bit. It just encouraged me. It was excited. And, and, and now that he's, he's doing more drama and choir, it doesn't work out the same way. When he nails a great line, I'm not allowed to stand up and cheer him on or things like that. Having to show some restraint in that area. But, but there's, there's something there in that there's a different kind of, of pride and joy for each child but that father-son relationship is one that i am i am so grateful to understand so when i when i think about the triumphant entry about what makes it so great i can't think of it without thinking of the father-son relationship in genesis chapter 22 verses 1 through 14 we get a little picture a foretelling about a father-son relationship that absolutely points us to the triumphal entry. The Lord has promised Abraham that his, his seed, his lineage would be his people, that, that God would bless the world in, in his, in, through his line. He's talked about the promised land and all these things, and Abraham is an old guy. He didn't have any kids, and so he finally, he and his wife, are blessed with the, their first and only child, Isaac. And, and I can imagine this father-son relationship building as he's a child and, 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 and Abraham's teaching him how to hunt. He's teaching him how to make fire. He's teaching him how to, how to make his home, how to lead. He's teaching him all these things that he's thankful his father taught him. And then one day the Lord says to Abraham, I need you to take your only son Isaac up onto the mountain and sacrifice him to me. I can't even fathom that moment. That, that moment when our hearts are on our child and God puts his finger under our chin and says, remember who's the love of your life. And so Abraham dutifully, the Bible doesn't say there's a word. In fact, Hebrews tells us he was confident that God would come through. He just had no idea how. 
And so he, he, packed Ab- he packed Isaac up and they went on to the mountain and he tied him together. And with a knife in his hand, we find ourselves in chapter 22, verse 11. The Bible says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Don't lay your hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. For I know that you fear God. Seeing you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mount, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Man. You know, that, that wording that Abraham seeing, I can't even imagine how, how that knife slipped out of his hand. I, I, can't, I can't even imagine how the Lord allowed him to catch his eye with the ram as he heard the angel speaking. But in the midst of all of that, Abraham made a statement that wasn't new, but it was life-changing. He said that this place, I will call it, the Lord will provide Yahweh Ra, or we might know as Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to call this place, this marker in my life, a reminder that the Lord will provide. And now here's the, the fun thing of it. That this idea of the Lord will provide can also be interpreted the Lord who sees. And when you put them together, they, they don't contradict. They basically mean this. God always shows up. God always shows up. And whenever someone walks across this place, they will remember that God always shows up. Regardless of what situation you're in, regardless of how beautiful things are on the horizon or how horrible life is, God always shows up. Man, as, as, I, as I look at that and I think of, of Abraham and, and the, the joy and the strength, this combination of the Lord literally saving Isaac and Abraham in a moment. It wasn't just God, you showed up. It's God, you saved us. And because of that, I will rejoice in the salvation that I haven't even seen yet. You see, last week we talked about, uh, in the book of Acts, Stephen, as he spoke about Abraham and why he was so important. About how Abraham didn't even get a foot of the promised land. But for Abraham, the promised land wasn't it. That was what Stephen was saying. For Abraham, he was living in the promise. And so because he followed the God who showed up, he was able to rejoice in the salvation he had experienced and wholeheartedly look forward to the salvation that was yet to come. Church, I think we need to relook at our relationship and our understanding of God. Because God as the father is different than me as the father or you as the father or you as the mom. 
Listen, I, I have not to this day, my, my son is still with us. He has survived. But you know, sometimes it's in spite of his dad. Amen? When he was in elementary school, he was, uh, Christy was working and he had taken the bus home, just starting off first grade somewhere in there. My phone rings and it's Christy. Hey, David, did you get Connor? Why would I get Connor? She said, well, because I told you X, Y, and Z was going to happen. He wanted to ride the bus home. So I dropped my cookie. And I tell the guy that I'm visiting with, I have to go. I just won the worst dad of the world prize. And I'm driving home. And we live in an area where we felt safe, but we didn't let our kids run around on their own. We didn't feel that safe. And so there's a possibility I was breaking some laws. And so I fly in the door, and here's Connor sitting on the front porch, locked out of the house as a first grader. He was totally fine until his dad showed up. And when his dad showed up, those tears started to come down. You see, I think there are moments when we forget that God is not a forgetful God like dads or can be forgetful dads. That God is not slow on his promises. He's not late to a date. That, that the father doesn't have lapses in memory or judgment. And so when we think of God as father, we project our imperfect fathers into that role. And today I want you to know the God who shows up doesn't just show up eventually he shows up perfectly at the right time in the right moment and so this is why the triumphal entry is so powerful because this idea of God showing up this moment in Genesis in Israel's history inspired the rest of God's people listen to what Psalm 118 verse 25 and 26 say Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, those words weren't penned when Jesus showed up. This wasn't just a random outpouring. Those words that we're so familiar with that fall into the New Testament, that, that we clink and, and we, we link to this time in the life of Christ, they have a way more deeper meaning because they are a point back to what God did. He showed up and in this moment, what they're saying is the steadfast love of God endures forever. He will save us and he will provide moving forward. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because it is a reminder that we serve the God who shows up this this reality of of god being so faithful so true as a father to his people jesus christ echoes in as a father to son and son to children you see this idea was so ingrained in jewish culture that this became a rhythm in the life of jewish society at the Feast of Booths and Tabernacles around harvest time in October. They, they would have their people cut palm branches and wave them in the air. They would march in circles. They would cry out in October, Hosanna, Hosanna. 
they would quote these verses and these passages and the priests would, would orchestrate this all to remember that the God who was there when things were planted is the God of the harvest too. And Hosanna just means keep saving us. Keep showing up. Keep doing what you're doing. So there's nothing new about the rhythm of these words as they're spoken but just like Abraham renaming a place the triumphal entry wasn't the first time Jesus had walked into Jerusalem but it was a history changing moment look in your Bible with me Matthew chapter 21 we'll start in verse 6 and read down to verse 14 the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. All of a sudden, we get this big picture. This is the wrong time for these words to be said. This is the wrong time of year for branches to be raved, waved. All of that was supposed to have happened in the, in the fall, not in springtime. And so Jesus coming in, we have a lot of normal pieces, a lot of traditional points that are laid out, a lot of memories that are being outpoured, but the combination of them, they just don't make sense. And that reality was life-changing. Look in verse 10 of chapter 21. It says, all this was going on and it stirred up the whole city stirred up doesn't mean slightly irritated right i mean note to self in your relationship with your children if they're stirred up does that mean they walked in and said mom and dad it was a really rough day today no, no, no. When they're stirred up, they're worked up. There's an agitation. In fact, what it means is they were shaken to its core. The whole city is shaken by what's going on because they've been defining God's role and God's relationship the way they had been defining their man-made relationship. That our habits and traditions and our uh, unreliable system of being able to communicate with God or hear back from Him as long as we're faithful to our rhythms and our traditions, we're fine. But in this moment, those rhythms are playing the wrong song. Church, have you found yourself in your relationship with God in a tradition of rhythms that, that have a lot of good points to them? They have a lot of biblical action to them. They have a lot of, of, of engagement in them but they're not producing any stirring in your life. When you think back on your traditions that go along with your family celebrating Easter or Resurrection Sunday, what are the rhythms that shake your core? 
are they the times that Jesus showed up? Are they the times that you, you walk in to, to this, this moment of the world celebrating the resurrection of God? Are, are those rhythms, do they shake you or, or are they just normal? You see, the triumphant entry, we call it triumphant because it shook things up. It wasn't just a, a broken relationship playing its way out. It's not people just following rituals, hoping for the end. It was the reality that Jesus was shaking things up. The God who shows up has always showed up. And he's a reason to rejoice and to cry out. He's not just going through the motions. He's not just saying Bible verses out loud. He's not just going through things. He walks in to Jerusalem or rides in Jerusalem in order to shake things up. It's almost like the father is saying, son, go get him. Is that how you've seen the Lord riding into Jerusalem? I mean, when people are calling out, verse 9 says, Hosanna, save us to the son of David. Listen, that gets you kicked out of church. In the synagogue in that day, to call someone the son of David was to call him the Messiah. And this would shake the system of norms. This would, this would rock your place in society. And yet these people are screaming it. Why? Because Jesus has shown up. And all you can do is say, shake me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Glory in the highest. Church, there's not a lot of like theological wordsmithing that happens in this moment. It's the reality of what people had done in tradition their whole life in the moment is seeing the power of of using God's word of leaning into your relationship with him through the avenue of his son you know as we look through this part of the story as we prepare for holy week it really began to hit me to strike me is the Lord showing up in your life or are you too busy doing the traditional things that you do? Because it's just part of the rhythm of your day-to-day. -day. I mean, as I look towards next Sunday, that day is simply a marker. It, it, there, there's nothing miraculous about a day on the calendar. In the same way, there's nothing miraculous about a tract of land. That's what Stephen was saying. And Abraham would echo it. But what made that tract of land mean something to Abraham was that God showed up. And he didn't want to get in a rhythm that made him think otherwise. That made him think that the God who showed up would only do that in the past almost like a boy who becomes a man and only has memories 
of his dad being present. See, Abraham was shaken. And throughout Israel's story, God kept shaking them when he showed up. God's people had turned the incredible into a rhythm of mundanity, mundaneness. And so on that day, Jesus walked down and rode into Israel and Jerusalem. And he showed up and it shook everything. And so I thought about this and my question for us would be as we walk into this week, are we hardened to the spirit of the Lord, to the father speaking to his child? Has, has your relationship with God not been about the God who shows up? It's just, well, God always gets me through. Has it, has it been about God walks with the broken, instead the God who shows up makes all things new? You see, what we look forward to next Sunday is a marker. Just as much as this day is a marker for next week, the reality of the resurrection is a marker for the next time we will see God show up in the flesh. In the book of Revelation, we see these words penned. And then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in his righteousness judges, and he makes war. His eyes are like the flame of fire. His head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe, dipped in blood, and the name of which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heavens, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword to which strikes down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God and the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is a real day that is coming, and it should shake us. It will shake all eternity. But today it should shake us knowing that we live and we celebrate the resurrection because God is not a neglectful father or mundane God who just wants our rituals. He is the always present, always perfect Yahweh who shows so this week, will you let that truth mark your celebration? Would you let that reality define your words with your children, with your friends, with your spouse? Could you get more excited about God showing up than your Easter traditions that you're prepping for? What happens when he shakes? This morning, I want you to know that the triumphal entry it shook many in one way and many in another. For those who did not confess the name Hosanna, son of David, to Jesus, this meant war. In Revelation, when it reads those words, it will not be a good day for those who stand without the Son of God and that relationship blanketing over them. 
Is that where you are? Is that where someone in your life is? This week, allow the God who shows up to use you to show up in their life or to pick your chin up so that you see the one who's always been ready to break you loose for life. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we love you. Lord, this morning, God, we, we pray and we ask, God, that, that you would allow us to see the God who shows up. Lord Jesus, I pray that in our, our life, we wouldn't compare you to, to our Father, God, knowing that there is nothing in this world that is anything more than a shadow of what you have, have cast upon us. Lord, I, I pray that you would break us free like you did Stephen of the shackles of the mundane rhythms of this life and that you would shake the foundations of our soul to the, that you would shake the foundations of this city of this country by the reality of just showing up. Father God, if there's a man or woman or child in this room or online that does not know what it's like to be shaken by the King of kings and Lord of lords to the point of, of joyful, joyful submission, God, I pray that this day would be the day where your spirit wouldn't stop until they know life in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God, today we pray, Hosanna. Save us. Set us free, God. Breathe life into our lungs. In Jesus' name, amen.